Good morning. It's an honor to be with you, and I want to thank uh, Pastor Jeff for uh, asking me to fill the pulpit this morning. I want to thank you for being here and uh, looking forward to the opportunity of sharing God's Word with you. I am an Old Testament professor at Liberty University, and um, in light of that, even though it's Advent season, I want to preach from the Old Testament, if that's okay. And I'm even going to preach from the book of Jonah, which may sound like a strange choice uh, for Advent season, but believe it or not, we're going to get from Jonah to the fish to Christmas at some point. So we've got a long way to go this morning, but I'm going to ask you if you would take your Bible and turn with me. We are going to read Jonah chapter 1, and, uh, and, and that's going to be the starting point for our message this morning. The book of Jonah and Jonah chapter 1, and I'd like to read uh, that entire chapter. Now, I'm sure that all of us know the story of Jonah. We've heard it many times before from the smallest uh, age in Sunday school. But I'm praying that God will help us to see some new things and help us to see the gospel this morning in a in a new and a fresh way. But the story begins in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And we know that Jonah was excited and enthusiastic about going there. Okay, no, it actually tells us in verse 3, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each of them cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down, and he was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us so that we will not perish. Verse 7. They said to one another, come and let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast the lots and they fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Who are you? was basically what they were saying. In verse 9, he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, What is this that you have done to us? For they knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to them, then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and the, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to try to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord and they said, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life and do not lay upon us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. 
So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And then immediately the sea ceased from its raging. The storm stopped. Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And then we end in verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. All right. Now, we might think of Jonah as a Sunday school story for little children. This prophet who was swallowed up in the fish. And many of us probably heard the story of Jonah for the first time when we were in Sunday school as little kids. But I want us to see this morning that the story of Jonah is really more than a prophet and a fish. The book of Jonah is relevant for all of us today because it's a story about someone who is running away from God. And then here in chapter 1, there's also a story of people who are running toward God. And I want us to think about this morning for our own lives that all of us are either in some way running from God or running to Him. We are born as sinners running away from God And so it becomes important at some point in our life that we turn toward him. And even as a Christian and even as a follower of Jesus and a disciple, I find that in my life there are times when I am running to God and others when I am running away from God. And so I want us to think about that this morning and us and to even ask ourselves the question, am I running from God or to God? Which which type of person am I? The writer James Thurber once said that all human beings should try to learn before they die what they are running from, what they are running to, and why. And that's a good question. What are you running from? What are you running to? And why are you running in the direction that you're going? The story of Jonah really forces us to look at that question. One of the most famous plays in NFL history took place back in October of 1964. And a defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings, his name was Jim Marshall, he recovered a fumble and he ran 70 yards for a touchdown. When he got to the end zone in celebration, he threw the ball away And the first indication that something was wrong was that one of the opposing players on the other team congratulated him. You see, in the midst of the confusion of that play, he had picked the ball up and had run in the wrong direction. And instead of scoring a touchdown for his team, he scored a safety for the other team. And, you know, God does not want us to come to the end of our lives and find that, that we are running in the wrong direction. God wants us to, to, to look at that and to address that issue 
And so even this morning, as we go into this Advent season, I want us to ask this question, am I running to God or running away from Him? And the prophet Jonah, as we get into this story, and it's a great story, and it's told in a, uh, in a very effective, powerful way. But Jonah is the prime example of someone who is running away from God. God gives him a commandment right at the very beginning of the story. It's very clear. Get up and go to Nineveh and preach against that wicked city. The problem is, is that Jonah does not want to go there. The Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. And Jonah is afraid that God is going to show mercy to the enemies of Israel. And so Jonah, when God says, get up and go, we expect the text to say, he got up and went. But what the passage says instead is that Jonah got up to flee and to run away. You see, Nineveh was four to five hundred miles to the northeast. Jonah gets up to flee to Tarshish, which is somewhere in the southwest. And Jonah doesn't have his GPS confused here or he's not messed up with his... Jonah decides to go in the opposite direction. Away from God. Now Jonah is the only prophet that I have found in the Old Testament. That when God says I want you to go and preach. He's the only prophet I found that absolutely refuses to do that. Now there were other prophets who protested when God called them. God told Moses. Go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses protested. He said, God, I don't know how to speak. I'm not eloquent. I, what are, what are, who am I going to tell them sent me when I go to speak to the people and to the Pharaoh? But Moses eventually went. God said to the prophet Jeremiah, I am appointing you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah protested. Jeremiah said, ah, Lord God, I'm but a child. I'm too young to do that. I don't even know what to say. Jeremiah protested, but Jeremiah ultimately went and fulfilled the mission. Jonah does not protest. Jonah does not argue with God. Jonah simply gets up and runs away. And I don't know if you picked up this phrase, but it's really one of the key expressions in this entire chapter. It says that Jonah got up to flee, and where was he going? Not just to Tarshish, but Jonah got up to flee away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was running away from God. Now, is there anything about running away from God that seems strange to you? Okay, the problem is you can't really run away from God. And Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. Jonah, above all people, should have known God's everywhere. You can't get on a boat and run away from God because God's already where 
you're running away from. And even if Jonah lived today and tried to get in a space shuttle and go to some distant place in the outer, God's there. Now, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel believed that God was with them and he was with them present in a special way at the temple in Jerusalem. But even Solomon, when he built the temple, said, the sky and the highest heavens can't contain you, much less this temple I am building as your dwelling place. You can't run away from God. The psalmist reminds us of that. In Psalm 139, if you remember this passage, David says in Psalm 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I go to the highest place I could find, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not night to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So what David says is, you can't go anywhere too far away from God. You can't go to the highest heaven. You can't go to the lowest grave. You can't go to the darkest place in the universe and try to hide from God because he sees you and he knows you. And so what in the world is Jonah thinking when Jonah says, I'm going to go to Joppa, I'm going to buy a ticket, and I'm going to run away from God? Well, I think the reality here is that Jonah understands The theology of God's presence. Jonah understands, just like we do, God's everywhere. But what Jonah is trying to run away from here is not just the presence of God. Jonah is trying to run to a place where he does not have to hear God's voice. Jonah is running to a place Where he can evade accountability to God. Jonah is trying to run to a place. If I can get far enough away. Then I can live my own way. Do my own thing. And call the shots in my life. And I think many of us realize that. There's no way that we can ever really run away from God. God's not just here in church on Sunday morning. He's with you when you go to school tomorrow morning. He's with you every hour of the day, every minute of the day when you're at your home. He's with you during the day and night. We know that and we understand that. But there are times in all of our lives where we simply want to go to a place where we do not have to listen to God or be responsible to God or be accountable to God, or to listen to the call that maybe in some special way God is placing on your life this morning. You may not even understand why you're at church this morning. Maybe it's been a while since you've been here. And God has you here because He is speaking to you and calling to you, and you may be running on the inside. While you're sitting in a church service. 
I remember, I think all this happens to all of us at some time. For me, I was about seven years old. And I decided one day that I had had enough of my parents telling me what to do. And it was time for me to run away from home. And you know, at age seven, that's always going to be successful, right? And so I packed up my stuff in a bag. I think I got sent to my room for something. And while I was there, I packed up everything, everything that I thought I needed to take. And I took some t-shirts and some underwear. And we were Baptist and went to church a lot. So I packed some ties. <laughs> okay. I was going to, I was going to look good while I was away. And I think I might have even snuck into the kitchen and got some peanut butter. And I was going to run away from home. And I made all these plans and I packed up. And you know what? I didn't get to run away because my mom told me I couldn't leave my room. Okay, so ultimately it didn't work out very well. All of us are born as sinners. Running away from God. And as a result of that, Colossians says we are alienated from God. We are strangers. We are actually born as God's enemies, not because of him, but because of us. And there are many people in different ways and for different reasons that go through life and they never, never stop running from God. And and again, they do it different ways, different reasons. Some of them are running because they're afraid. What would it mean if if I had to give God control of my life? What would I have to give up? It's going to cost me too much. Some of them run away because they're angry. God did something to me. I can't forget it. I, I, I can't forgive Him. Some people run away because... They've chosen to live a way that they know is displeasing to God. And even though it's brought all kinds of pain in their life, they would rather be free and go their way than submit to God and go His way. Some people are running from God and they don't even know that they're running. They've simply pushed God to the outside parts of their lives. And, and, and maybe they've grown up in the church and decided, I don't need that anymore. That was good for my parents. That was good when I, I don't need it. Some of them immerse themselves in their careers. Some of them pour their lives, uh, into their children. And that's, that's a good thing. But along with that, they're, they're wanting to pretend that God isn't there and they don't have to listen to him and they don't have to answer him. Sometimes they go away to college and they find intellectual reasons not to believe. But really what's going on is that there's something in their heart that's provided or built an obstacle between them and God. The Bible says at some point in our lives, all of us have to stop running from God. In the Old Testament, the word for repentance is actually a word that means to turn around. And so I want to I want to just ask everyone a question. Has there been a time in your life where you have realized I'm running from God? 
and you have repented of your your sin and you have turned to Christ and what he has done for you and, and you've stopped running. I find that even as a Christian, though, I've come to Christ, I realize my need for a Savior, I've believed and trusted in what Jesus has done for me, but there are times still when I hear God's call on my life and I decide to run in the other direction. I mean, let's think about Jonah. Jonah knew the Lord. Jonah had a relationship with the God of Israel. Jonah was a prophet. You can read in 2 Kings chapter 14 about other times when Jonah had prophesied and given forth the word of the Lord. Jonah knew God. There's no doubt about that. But at this moment in his life, he chose to run away because he didn't want to listen to God's call. And so there are times in my life as a Christian, and it's something that we have to be aware of, it's something that we have to be careful of, where God is going to put a call on my life, and I'm going to choose to go in another direction. And so you may know the Lord this morning, and you may have come to Christ, but is there some way still in your life that maybe today you are running from God? It might be your marriage. I know there are things that God would want us to do. I'm not willing to do that right now. It may be a part of your life that you have sealed off and shut off and said, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but that part of my life is off limits. God is telling me to do things that I can't do. Maybe you're running from God because... You know that the Lord is asking you at school to live in a way that's different from the way that your friends live. And to take a stand for Christ. And maybe right now you're not willing to do that. Maybe God is even like Jonah calling some of you into ministry. Or to to share Christ with someone. uh, Or to to, to be involved in someone's life. And you know it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And you're running away from that. Is there some way this morning that maybe you are running from God? Jonah forces us to think about that. I read a story yesterday about a woman. Her name is Nita Friedman. She was 66 years old out in Idaho. And just a few years ago, she led the police on a 15-mile chase through three counties. Okay? Now, we probably don't think about 66-year-old women doing that too often. But the policeman pulled out behind her, turned on the lights, and, and she kept going in the opposite direction. The interesting thing about Nita Friedman, though, is that when she was running from the police, she obeyed every other traffic law the whole time. She drove the speed limit. (laughs) She stopped in the left lane and yielded the right of way to other people. She stopped at four-way stops and let other people go. And the only way that the police ultimately stopped her, though, is that they put a strip down in front of her and flattened three of her tires. (laughs) 
Okay? So it's possible, and, and one, one person said, looking at that story, it's possible to be obedient on the outside and to be running away on the inside. And that can happen to us at church. I'm putting money in the offering plate. I'm going to services. I'm a good church member. Everything looks good on the outside. But on the inside, there's something in my life where right now I know that I am running from God. And I think this morning the Lord would just ask you, are you willing to address that? And to realize that you're doing exactly what Jonah did in choosing to run away from him. All right, now, there, that's, that's the depressing part of this story, is that there's this guy in Jonah chapter 1 that's running away from the Lord. But the interesting thing is, is that this story is also about another group of people, and in this chapter, they are the people who are actually running toward God. And, and forgive the pun, this is a really bad one in Jonah chapter 1, but Jonah and this group of people, they are like two ships Passing in the night. Because the group of people in this story that are running to God are the sailors on the ship that are there with Jonah as this storm is raging. Okay? Do you get the irony of this? Jonah, the prophet, is running away from God. And a bunch of pagan sailors who worship idols and false gods and do what who knows what else in their lives. They are the ones that are running toward God. Now, I don't want to offend anyone that has ever served in the Navy. I have great respect for you. But we've all heard the expressions, curse like a sailor. Or maybe, you know, we've thought about, I, I don't know that I'd want my daughter to be in town when the sailors come to port. But the interesting thing in this story is that it's the sailors that are running toward God. When God send this, sends this storm on the sea, I mean, this is a storm Like these men have never seen before. They are veteran sailors on the Mediterranean. They've never seen anything like this. Verse 4 in the Hebrew it says, The ship threatened to break apart. It literally says, The ship thought that it was going to break apart. When the ship itself is afraid, that's a bad storm. I don't know if you ever saw the movie with George Clooney, The Perfect Storm. That's exactly what these guys are going through. And it tells us in verse 5, as they see this and as they experience this storm, and it's unlike any they've ever experienced before because God hurled it on the sea, it says they were greatly afraid. And I get it. I would be afraid too. It tells us in verse 10 that after Jonah says, well, yeah, this storm is my fault and God's the one who did this and he's trying to get me. It says in verse 10, then they were greatly afraid. So they started out afraid and then they got more afraid 
But then in verse 16, something pretty amazing is going to happen. Jonah says, the only way you're going to calm this storm is to throw me overboard. And I think really what's going on here is that Jonah would rather die and go in the direction that God wants him to go. But when they throw him overboard, remember what happens. The sea becomes calm. The wind stops. There's no more storm. And as a result of this, overwhelmed by the greatness of God, it says that the sailors, they greatly feared the Lord. Okay, so that repetition of the word fear in Jonah chapter one about these sailors is very important. And I want you to notice what happens here. They go from being afraid of the storm in verse five to being afraid of God in verse 10. And then in verse 16, they come to fear the Lord in the sense of reverencing him. And worshiping him and recognizing him as the true God. And it says they offered vows and they paid sacrifices. I mean, right there on the boat, they did what people did in the Old Testament when they went to the temple to worship God. And so in the midst of these, in this storm, While Jonah is running away from God. Do you know what happened to the sailors? They had church on a boat. And I believe that these men, these pagan sailors, these hardened, tough, rough guys around the edges came to know the true God of Israel. And so we've got an amazing story here because we have a reminder that there are people that are running from God And those that are running to him. And so we're we're sort of uh, forced to ask the question. Which one of those people am I? And this morning, is there a need in my life for me to stop running, to make a U-turn, to repent of my sin, and for the first time in my life, to believe and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for me. Or even if I'm a follower of Jesus, are there things in my life where, like Jonah, I'm saying no to God, and I'm running away from Him? We can be sitting in a church service, Listening to a sermon, singing Christmas carols, putting money in the offering plate, and running away from God as hard and as fast as, as, as we possibly can. I've even preached some sermons where I was running away from God. Because there were some things in my life that I needed to deal with. And I was just going through the motion of church. So we have in this story. A man who is running away from God. Jonah the petulant pouting prophet who's selfish. And I don't know that he ever really changes in this book at all. But you also have the sailors. Who come to know God and run to him. And find him in a way that they had never known him before. Now, I just real quickly want to look at a couple of other things here. Jonah not only gives us an example of of someone who is running away from God, 
Jonah also shows us what happens to people when they run away from God. And just for a couple of minutes, I want to think about this. Where does running away from God lead you? Jonah thinks that it's going to lead him to Tarshish. It actually leads him somewhere else. And so, again, I'd like to, to go back and I'd like you to ask you to look at a, a specific verse here. In the middle of verse 3, Jonah says, I'm not going to go where God has called me to go. I, I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm going to go the other way. And it says in verse 3, in the middle of the verse, Jonah went down to Joppa. Went down. That same word is going to be repeated three times in this chapter. Jonah went down to Tarshish, verse 3. Jonah, verse 5, went down into the ship. And then later in verse 5, Jonah had gone down and was sleeping in the hull of the ship when God sent the storm. Okay, real simple question. Where does running away from God lead you? It leads you down. (laughs) And Jonah went down in a hurry when they threw him overboard. Jonah thought he was running away from God. You know where Jonah thought he was running to freedom. And that's what a lot of people think. If I can run away from God and choose my own way and go my own way, that's freedom. I don't need the Bible. I don't need God's rules. Jonah reminds us, running away from God leads us down. And Jonah goes down to Joppa, down to a ship, and then down into the middle of the sea. And I'd like you to turn with me to chapter 2, verse 5. Jonah says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. And then notice what it says in verse 6. I went down. There it is again. To the land whose bars closed upon me forever. You know where Jonah had really gone down to? Jonah had gone down to the grave. And Jonah was on the outskirts of death itself until God reached down and saved him. And we run from God from the time of our birth. Sometimes we don't even know we're running. As Christians, sometimes we run away from God and don't want to listen. Here's the principle. Running from God will always lead you to death. And if there has never been a time in your life where you've made that U-turn and come to Christ, ultimately running from God leads us to spiritual death, to separation from God forever and ever. And even as a Christian, when I choose to run from God, I'm not experiencing in my life the kind of joy and abundant life that God created me to make. I can't know that or experience that 
when I'm running from God. I can't experience the abundant life of Jesus in my marriage if there are things there where I am not choosing God's way over my way. And so this morning, the principle is, is that running from God ultimately leads us to death. Jonah thought he was going to Tarshish. He ended up going somewhere else. That's what happens to all of us when we are running from God. Here's the good news, though, and here's the gospel that comes out of all of this. When we are running from God, God does special things to bring us back to himself. And I want you to look at what it says there in verse 6. The, the ver- Jonah says, I went down to the land whose bars closed about me forever. I was about to die. I was a goner. I was going to drown at sea. When those sailors threw Jonah overboard, they had no idea that guy was ever going to survive. And Jonah didn't either. But then it says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And for every one of us who knows Jesus as our Savior, God has brought us up. And he has rescued us from death. He has rescued us from where we were running by giving us life and bringing us to himself. And God did that in an amazing way for Jonah. Jonah is out in the middle of the Mediterranean. He's not going to be able to swim to shore. He's as good as dead. Again, the sailors have no idea this guy's ever going to survive. And what did God do? God appointed a fish. And I'll tell you, being in a fish for three days can't be a fun environment. But that fish was Jonah's life preserver. God appointed a fish. And I think it's just great to think about God as the, the, the sovereign creator of the universe saying, you know what, this longitude, that latitude, there needs to be a fish right there at this moment. And God rescued Jonah when he was running from him. And the great thing to know is, is that God loves us as sinners too much to allow us to just run away. God gave his son, Jesus. God appointed his son to be a savior. And even more miraculous than the way that he provided a fish for Jonah, God provided a savior for us in the person of Jesus. And that's where this message of running away from God, that's where it ultimately leads us to Advent and to Christmas Because the purpose and the reason that Jesus came to earth was to save those who were running away. And in the same way that God prepared a fish for Jonah, God has stopped at nothing to provide salvation for us. God did something even greater than preparing a fish. God gave us a Savior who was born in Bethlehem. God gave us his perfect, sinless, eternal son who had even created the world and everything in it and he became a little baby, lived as one of us. He lived a life of poverty and suffering and rejection and perfect obedience to the Father that ultimately led him to give give his life 
as the sacrifice and the substitute for our sin. That's how much God loves us. Even though we were running away from him. And in the same way that God reached down and rescued Jonah out of that drowning water, God has reached down in the person of Christ. And through the cross, and through his blood, and through his sacrifice, he has saved us, and he has rescued us. Listen to just a a couple of these verses from the New Testament that talk about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. That's the story of Christmas in one verse. That's the gospel. It's what makes Christmas good news. Jesus became poor for us to the point of dying for our sins so that we could become rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did for us. He became human, God in flesh, and took our sin. So that we could receive his righteousness when we turn from our sin and trust in the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And then in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, a a, a passage that specifically talks about this idea of us running away from God and what God has done for us in Christ. And here's what it says. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind. You were running away from God, doing evil deeds. But he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's why Jesus came to save us. Because we were running away from God and running toward death. You know, over the last few years, there have been some just amazing stories in the news at times about uh, incredible rescue operations. Back in June this year, there was a man in Germany. His name was Johann Westham. He was 52 years old. He was buried in a cavern in the Bavarian Alps, 3,200 feet below ground. A group of 728 people worked 11 days straight to rescue that man out of that cavern. And when it came time to save him, a group of 14 of them went underground 3,200 feet They had to carry him on a stretcher for three miles underground. They took a dinghy to go across lakes that were beneath the surface of the earth. They climbed shafts that were a thousand feet high. They fought their way past underground waterfalls. 
they squoze through places where they had to inhale and, and, and make themselves as narrow as possible. As they were bringing the stretcher out, they would often have to turn him on his side or sideways to get through the pass. And somehow and in some way, they rescued him. And he survived that time 11 days underground. An amazing rescue operation. A few years before that, remember the miners in Chile. 33 days, or, or 33 men, 69 days under the earth. Rescued. A little baby named Jessica back in Texas in the 1980s. 22 feet underground in an 8-inch well casing. They saved her. They rescued her. And what's amazing is, is that God loved us so much that he did something that was far more, and a rescue operation far more amazing than that. He sent his son into the world to be our savior. And this morning, if you're running from God, God has provided a way for you to stop running and to come to him and to come to Christ and to experience and to enjoy eternal life. And if you're a Christian this morning and maybe on the inside you're here and everything looks good and you're holding your Bible and giving your offering and you're a good church member and everything looks good, but really you know that you're running on the inside, God loves you too much to allow you to continue doing that. God loves you too much to just let you go your own way. God loved Jonah too much to just let him get on a boat and go to sleep and forget about God. And this morning, the Lord may be calling you back to himself and saying, this, this way of running away from God, it's not working in my life. I want to run to him. God's grace always provides a way for us to come back to him. Romans chapter 8 says that there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. As a Christian, you can never run too far away from God that he can't bring you back to himself. And if you have never come to know Christ, there is nothing that you could have ever done. There's no way that you could have ever run so far that God's grace is not available to you this morning in Jesus Christ. And so I ask all of us this morning, come to the cross. Instead of being like Jonah, be like those sailors who ran to God and found life and mercy and grace because of that.